Is your job search stuck? Maybe you're not getting any interviews with employers, or maybe you are, but no job offers. Or you may be new and not even know where to start. This is Charles Maxwood, and I'm releasing a new course and ebook on how to find a job as a software developer. The course walks you through the process of finding the types of companies you want to work for, getting their attention, and putting your best foot forward as the candidate they want. I've coached dozens of developers in looking for jobs and have been able to help several people find jobs within two weeks to two months. So whether you're new to development, can't find a great job that fits what you want, or are looking for remote work from an area without a strong tech community, I can help. Go to getacoderjob.com and sign up today. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Stories. This week, we're talking to Christine Legg. Christine, do you want to say hi? Hello. Now, you were on episode 328 of JavaScript Jabber. We talked about functional programming and Ramda. Uh, do you want to just remind people who you are real quick, and then we'll jump in and talk about you? Sure. So um, I was on talking about Ramda. I... I just started at that point, like maybe it was like two weeks in. I just started working at Google in New York. And prior to that, I was working at Zen Hub, which is a um, project management tool, uh, kind of a startup in Vancouver. So when I was originally talking about Ramda, that was because I was using it at Zen Hub a lot. And now that I'm at Google, I don't use it anymore, but still enjoy learning about that type of stuff and talking about it. Cool. Well, this show, we try and tell your story and give people an idea of where you've come from and how you learned to program and things like that. So let's let's start there. Let's start with how you uh, got into programming. Okay. So uh, I actually, in like high school and everything, wasn't that interested in computers at all. My family wouldn't... They didn't let us spend much time on the computer. My parents would limit us to like half an hour a day or something. And, you know, we couldn't use MSN or any of those things. We could right. just like check her email or whatever. So I had like absolutely no idea what programming was, let alone like, like I, I couldn't really do much on the computer at all. So when I graduated from high school, I wanted to do um, applied math. Uh-huh. So I went into an engineering program at University of Toronto and the goal was that I would do like it's like a general first year first two years and then you specialize so I was hoping to specialize in the applied math part of that and for engineering you have to take an introduction an introduction to programming class in first year so I was actually like dreading this there's like a four hour I remember seeing on my schedule that I had a four hour computer science lab in the morning and I was like I can barely turn my computer on Um, so I actually ended up like hating the program and I dropped out like three months into it or something. And the only thing that I liked, the only class that I liked was the computer science class, which is not what I was expecting because it was kind of similar. It was kind of the stuff that I liked about math, um, Uh where like, there's like a concrete answer and stuff like that, but it wasn't. So the math that we were doing was really theoretical and I don't like that. Part of it, like I like that practical applications, and obviously with like programming, you can see the practical applications of like the problem solving that you're doing. So I came back to Vancouver, and I said to my parents that I wanted an office job. I don't really know why I wanted an office job, but they said you know you know you have to work like 
dropped out of school to go to work now. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get an office job. So I went to the YMCA career center by my house and I went in there and I said, I want an office job. And the guy's like, what office job experience do you have? And I'd like worked at Canadian Tire and a garden store. And I was like, I don't have any. And he said, okay, we'll find anything that says we'll train for experience. So he found me this job that was basically just data entry. And it was myself and the like the founder of the company, the president of the company, who was a computer science like guy. That was his background. And he hired me to do data entry. And when he interviewed me, he's like, oh, do you have any interest in programming? I was like, oh, I actually did quite like the class that I did, but I don't have any experience. And uh-huh. he's like, okay, we'll hire you for data entry. And if you want to learn, then you can learn. So nice. Yeah. So I started working for him and then he ended up, he would do like four hours a week with me where he would teach me C sharp. And so then I did that. And then I ended up going back to school and for computer science while I was still working there part time. Yeah. So basically the, uh, the guy from that job, like got me into programming. I kind of did it backwards. Like I got the job first (laughs) (laughs) and then I was like, Oh sure. This looks fun. So what was it that you enjoyed? I mean, you said that you like seeing the outcome from your work, but was there more to it than that? Or was that pretty much it? Uh, that's pretty much it. I like the, I like the, um, like, I like the problem solving part of it. Like, I like how you can break things down. The, the part that's interesting for me, I wouldn't say is like the technology necessarily. Like, right. I, I'm not that into like, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily keep up to date on all the newest, you know, trends and all these things, but I actually just like, like the problem solving part of it. So it's like, oh, you need to display this thing. So you you get, you know, data in some form, and then you have to kind of step-by-step break it down to get it into the thing, like, you know, to transform it into something that's useful. You can display it. I like that part of it the most, especially when I started, that was what I liked. And yeah, the, the guy that I worked for, he wasn't, the most up to date on any of the trends either. So I like was really behind, like we were making a desktop application and, you know, weren't using any like external libraries or I didn't even really, I didn't even really know that those things like existed. So I just liked the problem solving part, just like, yeah, writing code, I guess. Cool. So you got in, you start doing C sharp, you're building this desktop app, you go back to school. So you got a four year degree in computer science. Yeah, so I, I studied computer science and statistics, a uh, combined major. Uh-huh. I, I haven't done much with the statistics part. Gotcha. I would still like to. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say nerd, but... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, uh, so yeah, so you graduate. How do you make the transition then from building desktop apps to building web apps? So in my mind... So I stayed... While I was doing my degree, I'd work part-time for... Um, one company and then during the summers I'd work there full time so I was originally doing like part data entry and then you know started shifting more and more to doing development work but I was only doing like basically like the client facing part of this web application Mm -hmm. and I think that I thought that what computer science was was like the back end like I don't know setting up servers and and I really like didn't know anything about that at all. So I kind of thought that web development was like, like 
I, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. That to me was like real computer science. Um, huh. Like I was like, if I know how to do web development, then I'll feel like a programmer and like, I'll know all this like new stuff. So basically I worked there for uh, the one company for five years. And then I, I thought it was time to branch out and learn something more. Like I thought that I kind of learned everything I needed to learn from there. So I uh, started applying for internships. It was my last, my last summer before, like I have one more semester left. So it was my last summer to get an internship. And so I got one at a company called Axioms in Vancouver. And they're like, they hired me and they're like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do web development because this kind of seemed like a gap that I was missing. I, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I had done a class on web development and my partner had done an internship previously with a, uh, he was doing web development in his previous internship. So we had to work together and build like this really, really basic web app. And he basically just did the whole thing because it took him like, I don't know, like an hour to do it. Like he set up bootstrap and like hooked up like the back end and the front end. And I remember just having no idea what was going on. And I was so intimidated working with him and being like, I don't, I don't know how, I don't even know what any of this stuff means. So Mm -hmm. I think that kind of drove me wanting to do web development. So I started at Axiom. So I said, I have no experience, but that's what I want to do. And uh, so they hired me on Zen Hub, which was the web application that Mm -hmm. the company had. And so I just basically got thrown in there day one and they're like okay here you go web development time to learn javascript i remember my first bug was like like basically like realign something in css like it was like one line of css it took me like four hours of like back to my head <laughs> i didn't even understand like what the css part was and i remember finally like my he, he was kind of my boss but he sat beside me and i looked at him and i was like i don't even know where to start and he's like so this is css like <laughs> right here um, so it started out like that, but I really ended up, I like, I love JavaScript. I think JavaScript's mm-hmm. really cool. Cool. So what was it about JavaScript that really drew you in as opposed to C Sharp or some of the other languages that you'd experienced? Um, it's much more simple. Like I like how you can just run, you don't need much setup. Like you could just run like, you know, a script and mm-hmm. from top to bottom and it will run. I liked, I, I'm I'm currently working in TypeScript and I used to like the lack of types in JavaScript, but now I'm actually, I like TypeScript even more. But anyways, I, I like how kind of free it is to do what you want. I like how you can do, I really like functional programming. So I like how that's easy to do with JavaScript. The other thing that I like is just how many, you know, like open source libraries and like the big community I maybe there's a big community for C sharp but I don't know because I wasn't involved in it then but you know like there's just lots of I think there's so many applications for it and I just really like I really like how basically how flexible the language is like you can you can kind of follow whatever paradigm you want with javascript so you can do object-oriented programming javascript you can do functional programming javascript you can you can combine the two it so it you don't end up being like constrained by you know what the language lets you or doesn't let you do yeah that makes sense yeah so you get in you start working on zen hub you figure out this whole javascript thing were you doing back end work too or was you were you mostly focused on the front end 
I was mostly focused on the front end. I don't really know how that started. I, I think I just a couple of the first things I started working on was front end and I was involved and we refactored the front end from backbone to uh, react right when I started. So I was like really involved in that. So then I ended up being like more of an kind of a go-to person on the team for, you know, react redux mm-hmm. questions versus the back and the, the state of the back end was a bit crazy also. So there's a lot of, you know, like tribal knowledge or whatever they call it, where you have to kind of know, how the back end works like right in order to work on it so i never our, our back end was node though so it was also javascript right um, but i didn't i did a little bit of work on it but not much cool so uh what what have you done in javascript that you're particularly proud of i mean i know you spoke at the conference and you've kind of been out there talking about ramda are there other things that you've done that you're excited to share with us i mean to be honest no I, uh, so yeah, so my, my involvement with like Ramda and stuff was kind of my first introduction to like what you can do with like your mm-hmm. computer science knowledge outside of just right. like work at a job and, and write code and stuff. So, so my, um, mentor at my old office, Pablo, he was the one that really encouraged me to like, like, Oh, you should, he, so he wrote a book on D3 and he didn't, he knew D3, but he basically got contact. He just kind of started, you know, researching it a lot and then eventually got contacted to write a book. And he's like, yeah, when I started writing the book, I didn't know anything about it. And right. to me, I kind of had thought that all of these people that are experts in my mind, you know, they're just like experts forever. They were always experts, but everybody has to start somewhere. So that's what I was trying to do with those talks and stuff like that. And what I'm still trying to do. So it was a big move. I, I was focused on, um, for the last like six, seven months, I've been focused on trying on like moving. So I had the the Google interview. I really wanted to move to New York. And so that consumed a lot of my time. So I was doing right. a lot of practice questions and stuff like that. And then I, I had to move. And so now that I'm back and, and settling in, I do really want to find Probably I won't stick with Ramda because I think that I learned what I wanted to learn from that and I'm not using it anymore, but I want to find a new technology that I'm working on or that's interesting to me in the open source community that I can kind of start, you know, going deep into that and making like open source contributions and stuff that that's really interesting to me. And and I think that's a cool part of computer science where you can make an impact like outside of your job really easily like it's super easy to just contribute to a library or to learn about all these things and so I yeah I don't have anything new that I've been working on which is kind of unfortunate I I would like to but uh, that's definitely a goal for me in the next like couple months to get started on something new yeah, well, given where I've been at lately, I definitely understand that sometimes you spend more time on life than you do on code. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's it was, it was the balance in there somewhere that yeah. I haven't found yet <laughs> since <Well>, moving. <laughs> I, I think balance is an illusion. It's, you know, am I able to take care of the things that I need to take care of? That's the balance, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah, I think that though I was, the, the when I gave that talk at, at Developer Week, it was, I remember right before it was happening, like a couple hours before, and I was so stressed out and I was like, 
I'm never doing this again. Like this was, <laughs> I, I, I can't do it again. I can't put myself through this. And then, uh, and then it was over. And then I was like, okay, like once a year, maybe I'll try and do it once a year. Cause it's really, it's, it's ex- like, I spent probably, I don't know, like a whole work week on the slides uh-huh. and uh, you know, and on a demo and stuff, it was so much work and I was so stressed out but it ended up being like really rewarding and, and people, you know, said they learned a lot from my talk and stuff like that. And people were really interested around us. So I was able to get people like excited. I was pretty proud of how that presentation turned out. And so that's, I need to, like, I want to do something like that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope I didn't, that wasn't the peak for me. That would be unfortunate. <laughs> no, it, it probably isn't. I mean, you know, people, they they have all kinds of experiences with stuff and yeah, you know, keep speaking, keep getting out there because, you know, people, people are interested in different things and you'll find different levels of payoff for different kinds of things. Yeah. So, uh, so what you've been working on now mostly has just been moving and, and all that kind of stuff, right? Are, yeah. Yeah. Are there particular areas that you're looking forward to diving back into? Yeah, so I have been learning. So the the project I'm working on right now, we're using TypeScript, which I mentioned, and Angular, like like Angular two or like the newest Angular, right? And uh, RxJS, which is like a reactive programming library. Mm-hmm. So I Angular is like very interesting to me, and and the the thing that is particularly interesting that I think like I kind of have thought of like very high level thought about like trying to dive into is the dependency injection in angular that's like a thing that people that use angular are always like what is this like what is going on here i think that's a kind of a a confusing part of angular for a lot of users When, when i started reading about it at first that was what i like remember taking away being like they use this weird dependency injection but like other than that it's easy to use but the dependency injection is um it's kind of similar to how um, people work at Google. So, so I feel like mm-hmm. with that knowledge and then learn also learning Angular for the first time that I could try and get a good perspective on being able to explain dependency injection in a more uh, straightforward way. So, so I'm kind of thinking about that as a potential thing to, to really like go deep into. And then, and then TypeScript, like I really like TypeScript. Use TypeScript and I'm using VS Code, and then combined you get like the IDE is really nice. So like when you can hover over something and see what type it's supposed to return, it just actually makes my life so much easier. I never thought that it would. I I was just like JavaScript is the best thing ever, and now I'm using <laughs> TypeScript and I'm like, well, actually, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I I really dig TypeScript myself, and I've used Angular off and on for a while. Uh, we have a podcast about Angular on yeah. the network, so you know I've I've dug into it when I have time, and yeah, it's it's terrific stuff. Uh, I'm curious, is, have you looked at resources as far as picking it up? Is there something that you're thinking, oh, this is the way to go? No, I I mean I read the documentation. Uh-huh. I haven't. That's what I'm starting to. It's not that easy to. F- there doesn't seem to be um, like for React. I remember that I just read the React documentation. Like there's one page in particular that like everything leads, like if you, any like search leads back to this page, but 
for angular i haven't had i don't find that there's a source that's as clear as the react one like i have i found i have difficulty finding um like stuff about the templates there's a lot of like keywords and stuff like that uh-huh. that uh, i find that there's not really like i haven't really found a central source that actually talks about all the keywords that you can use and so i end up like a combination of like the docs and then like stack overflow examples. Mm-hmm. But I haven't actually found like a, a single source. I mean, the, the docs are okay to get started. Like the, I, I had read, read those to get started, but I didn't find that they were enough. By yeah, that makes sense. Um, one thing that helped me when I was getting started, I'll just throw in here. And this, this, this is about your story, but I think it's something that will help people if you're trying to get into Angular is I went and worked through the um, Tour of Heroes tutorial. Oh. That that really kind of helped me get a handle on what was going on and how everything fit together. Yeah, I should check that out. Yeah, and it's it's, uh, in the Angular documentation. It's at, I think, angular.io slash tutorial. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. It's it's hard to um, I find when I'm starting a job like I'm I want to like get work out quickly like mm-hmm. you know get my first like like you know contributions in there so then I I end up just like trying like looking for like very specific answers to my Angular questions and then I don't actually really learn that much about it so that's what I uh, that's what I want to start focusing on now is like a high level how this stuff works and then and then I can start you know, not just for like my very, very specific use cases. And then, and then I think I could start, uh, you know, learning more about it and, and potentially something to, to like share my knowledge with later. But I, I think the, the cool thing about um, working here is that you can kind of, you can, you know, talk to the people that are working on Angular and, mm-hmm. and, and get some insight that way. I'm I'm sure like you can start you can you can try and you know spend some time working on it if you wanted to. I haven't looked into that yet because I just started, but that's something that I would like to do. Yep, absolutely. And I found that most core teams for most projects like Angular are pretty approachable. So yeah, yeah. I mean, people. That's the nice thing about you know like the the communities and stuff is I feel like people people want you to use their stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's in their best interest to you know, make it help you to use it. Yep, absolutely. Well, cool. So uh, do you have another talk in mind when you go start, uh, you know, getting out there and getting ready to go again? Or No, just... I have a list. My list has one thing on it right now, and it's angular dependency injection, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I was thinking, so that's top, that's up there. Some another some of the things I say about some issues TypeScript. This React or RxJS reactive uh-huh. programming library, that's kind of interesting. I don't know much about reactive programming. So that could also be an interesting route to go down, like talking about reactive programming, because I did functional programming. And now I could try and go down reactive programming. But I don't think I like it enough yet. I don't real it's it's a bit hard to use. So I'm not convinced that I'd be able to sell it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't looked at the RxJS documentation, but I understand that it's reasonably easy to pick up. And uh, Ben Lash, who is the main developer for uh, RxJS, jo- joined the Angular team a few months ago. 
And so oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's like promises. It's just a lot of promises. Is kind of how I've how I've tried to uh, like when I'm trying to figure out how I do something. I can often try and think about it like like how I would work, how this would work if it was a mm-hmm. promise, and then uh, I can usually get somewhere. Yeah, the the approach is a little bit different, but it yeah, it's just kind of the same idea because it's asynchronous events and things like that. But yeah. yeah, I would like to look into that more. That that's an I think the top on my list of potential next talks would be something to do with Angular and something to do with RxJS. But this is like a very high level. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I kind of it would be good to make connections like within the office to see if you know people would want to you know, partner up on, you know, learning that way rather than me just, you know, doing it by myself. It doesn't really make sense to try and learn this by myself when I'm working in the building where the people that wrote the thing are. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't, you know, that seems like a bit of a, I waste time, I think. Um, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I should work, yeah, working on those connections would be good. Definitely. Well, if I can help you out with that, let me know. Oh, for sure. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on this show? Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Yeah, sure. So I have like binge listened to a podcast called The Pitch. It's uh, they describe it or people describe it as like Dragon's Den, but podcast form. I never watched Dragon's Den. Basically, you have in, like actual investors, like either angel investors or investors from funds, and then people with their business. So they come on, they pitch their business to the. There's four investors, and then they they you right. know ask questions, and then they do or do not invest. And then they follow. They the end of the episode, they always follow up. So like after due diligence, often it doesn't work out. But the thing that's cool about it is now that I'm not really working in a startup now, like like listening to the startup mentality, I think is super cool. Like, like these people are so excited about their project and working super hard to get it off the ground. And that's really cool and inspiring. So I've been listening to so many of those episodes. That's a, that's a podcast by like Gimlet media, which I love mm-hmm. their podcast. And now that I'm in New York, I want to go like knock on their office door and like see I, i'm just like obsessed with gimlet i think their podcast really <laughs> if anyone from gimlet was listening to this like let me in let me meet, let me meet all the cool people that work there but anyways um so that's really cool the other thing that i've been listening podcast i've been listening to is how i built this that's an npr podcast uh-huh. and 
it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to the pitch because uh, on how I built this, they interview people that have built like successful like brands. So like the one I was listening to this morning was the the guy that founded WeWork or um, there's uh-huh. a guy that founded Lyft or Steve Madden, Lonely Planet. And and so it's kind of interesting to listen to the the pitch and in contrast with how I built this because it's like how the people on how I built this are the people from the pitch that succeeded. And, and it's listening to like how hard these people had to like hustle and how hard they worked, how scrappy they were to get their businesses off the ground is just insane. Like I have so much admiration for those people and it, it is really inspiring. I feel like for me to just, yeah. So that's really, I, I love those podcasts right now. Yeah, it sounds like Shark Tank a little bit. I've never seen it, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But I think that's what it, that's like the idea. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've been going through some of the startup life, so I, I get some of that. But yeah, it sounds interesting. I might have to pick some of those up. Yeah, there's there's uh, Gimlet also makes one called Startup. That's good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when Gimlet split off from NPR. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the founder's name, but he he was an NPR person. Alex Bloomberg. Alex Bloomberg. Yep. And he kind of went off and did his own thing. Yeah, it sounds like it's successful. They have lots of really good podcasts, but I don't know because I, I listen to them. So then you think that yep. it's really successful. <laughs> yeah, well, they're still in business. So <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. So yeah, I've, I've really been enjoying Visual Studio Code. You mentioned that on the show. Yeah. I just went through a minor issue with it where I upgraded my machine to macOS Mojave. Um, oh. I'm on the beta of Mojave because it's not out yet. It'll come out before this goes live. So people are going to be like, what? You're still on the beta? No, I'm not mm-hmm. still on the beta when it goes live, when it comes out live. But uh, I had reasons for upgrading. And so I did. And uh, it couldn't find Git. And so I had to upgrade my Xcode command line tools. And then it worked. Oh, interesting. Anyway, so yeah, Git is back. And then I'm also going to pick my calendar software just because people ask me all the time, you know, how I manage all of the things I have going on. I mean, last week I recorded, I think, 17 podcast episodes. Today I have done five. And over the course of the week, I will have recorded uh, probably another seven or eight. A lot of podcast Uh, episodes. Yeah. Of course, the week after that, I'm going to Microsoft Ignite and I'll be doing podcast episodes there. Microsoft has flown me out to several other events and then I've interviewed people for the podcast there. But it'll be a little different because I'll be doing it live. But that's always fun. So uh, yeah, anyway, um, I use BusyCal and it hooks up to Google Calendar. So I've just been using Google Calendar and BusyCal and uh, it's pretty awesome. I've, I've been pretty happy with that. Uh, one other thing, a lot of people have been asking me how I schedule the podcasts and we just switched. We were using uh, Schedule once before, but Google Calendar actually added appointment slots. And so you booked through Schedule Once, but yeah. from here on in, people are going to be booking on the shows with Google Calendar until I get my podcasting software together, and then they'll be using that instead. So anyway, uh, it's it's a feature. You just set up an appointment on your calendar, and then you tell it that it's appointment slots instead of event, and then it'll ask you how many appointments you want in there, and then just kind of runs. So it's been pretty cool. What does the BusyCal do that Calendar doesn't do? Well, it's a local app. And uh, the view on the week is just a little bit easier to deal with. Uh, so, 
Yeah, and I don't have to have it open in the browser because I, I also uh, have a plugin. Maybe I'll pick this too. I have a plugin called Tab Wrangler, and it shuts tabs down that I'm not using. And so I'd have to open up the calendar whenever I wanted it instead of just going to the screen that it's on and then using the uh, Mac OS. I forget what they call it, but it's the different views. So you hit control right or left because I have my calendar full screened and it'll just bring it over so I can see it. So yeah, when I'm canceling or rescheduling, I usually do it through the web app because it gives me the chance to give people a reason for why I'm canceling or moving stuff. And BusyCal doesn't have that feature yet, but just looking at the calendar, it's really nice because it just pulls it in and lets me see what's going on. So, Cool. Anyway, uh, those are my picks. If people want to find you online, where do they go? GitHub is leg, C-H-R, L-E-G-G-E-C-H-R. Same with Twitter. I'm not very active though. Okay. Um, but those are the places to go. I, I'll like if people send me messages and stuff on Twitter, I, I'll get them, but I just don't uh, post. Mm-hmm. Basically, so yeah, that's the that's the uh, maybe I should start posing. I like Twitter. I'm kind of a Twitter fan, but I haven't started using it yet. Yeah, I like Twitter. My problem is is that I wind up spending a ton of time. I get lost in Twitter. Instead of <laughs> done, so I only downloaded Twitter like a like in February because for my presentation on Ramda, I was using the Twitter API. That's the only reason why I got Twitter. So I'm like about five years late to the party, but I kind of like it. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the episode. But thank you for coming. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.